Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you today at Crossroads. Uh, today is our third Sunday Advent reading about love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 The love of God demonstrated throughout the Old and New Testaments. And one of those acts... To, of love to mankind was when the Father looked down on the earth and gave His Son, Jesus. He had a plan to redeem all of us through this little baby. We celebrate this time of year, the birth of Jesus. However, in the shadow of the cradle, there is a cross where the greatest act of love was given. The baby Jesus grew, had a powerful ministry, and died on the cross for you and for me. And He rose from the grave in the three days that gave us eternal life, God's redemption plan. As you look at the candles that are lit today, candles of hope and peace, today we light the candle of love, representing the love that God has for us and all that he has done, is doing, and will do. pray with me. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for the love demonstrated. Most oftentimes we think about that love demonstrated on the cross, but without the birth of your son, there'd be no cross. So we thank you for the love of God demonstrated in that baby in a manger today. Lord, we pray for our service today that it would be reflective of our love for you that through the music that we're going to sing. And Lord, as we hear the word of God today and we think about Everything that you mean to us, may our worship be pleasing to you in your sight, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Let me add my welcome to uh, Heath's welcome. Uh, I'm Jack, and it's good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. If you're visiting with us, we're especially glad that you're here. Maybe you're watching on our live stream service. We want to welcome you as well. And if you are visiting by way of the live stream, kind of comment and let us know that you're visiting. If you're in the, here in person with us, it's good to see you. You're looking very Christmassy. Well, some of you are. Some of you need a little help, but you'll get there. You've got a few more days, all right? We are glad that you're here. If you are visiting with us, there's a card right there in the seat back of the chair, maybe in front of you. If you'd fill that out and let us know that you're here today, we want to know how to minister to you and to love on you and how we can best pray for you. If you've got a prayer request, you can put that on that card as well. I hope that you picked up an announcement sheet. I won't read all those, but a couple of things to highlight uh, about today. If you would be interested in serving with our children or you already are, we have our volunteer luncheon, which is why the tables are set up in the back. So uh, please stick around. If you've been praying about uh, serving with the children's ministry, stay for a free lunch and find out how you can serve there. We would love for you to do that. Uh, And then uh, tonight at five o'clock, we are going to be doing some Christmas caroling. Now, some of you have wondered, is this like the voice? No, okay, we're not going to have judges and stuff to see if you can sing or not. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to be able to sing. It'd just be good for some of our shut-ins to see your face and to know that the rest of the church family has not forgotten them. So if you can visit and if you can even do this. Ah, I got you to do it. Some of you can do that. Fantastic. Then you count. You're eligible. So just real quick by a show of hands, because we have about 20 people, 20 folks, at least I think Joey said, that we want to go visit tonight. And uh, we don't want to call them all and say, you know, get your front porch swept off and get ready for us and us not show up. So if you could come out tonight at five to go with us to do some visiting and or singing, would you just raise your hand if you're planning on coming so we can get a rough guesstimate? All right. All right. Hopefully some of you will change your mind because we've got a long list of folks we want to visit. So if you can be here at five. Also, if you are planning on going to the Dominican Republic, we will have our team meeting at five. And as soon as that's over, we'll go out and do our visiting as well. So just want to remind you about that. Uh, If you're a Sunday school teacher too, quick reminder, we'll have a very quick just get together over here in what we're now calling, I guess, the green room, this classroom over here at the corner right after the service for about seven or eight minutes just to give you uh, an update on some things that are coming up uh, in the new year, all right? And uh, lastly, uh, I I love the sunshine. I love the warm temperature. I think it's supposed to get up to 68 today. Amen. I heard a a woo. Yes, amen. I'm ready. Uh, But I do know it's going to get colder at some point, and the snow and the ice will be coming our way. So if you want to be up to date on things that happen, especially if, uh, Lord forbid, we have to postpone a service or cancel it, please sign up to get our text updates. And there's instructions on how you can be a part of the text club. That's a little bit different from our prayer text. Uh, So if you want to join that, then you can do that uh, as well. All right. So great to see you this morning. And uh, let's continue to prepare our hearts for worship as our praise team comes to lead us this morning. So glad that you are here. I know, I know if you're like me, I'm missing the fellowship. So can we do this? Could we just stand up for just a second? And I know some of us are hesitant to shake hands and all that, but just look around the room and give everybody a big smile, all right? That'll do, be the best we can do this morning. All right, everyone, let's sing this great song of the church today. Oh, come all ye faithful. All right. Joyful and triumphant, oh God. 
Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come here today to, first of all, recognize you for who you are and what you have done for us. Dear Lord, we know and understand that everything that we have has been given to us by you. We thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you help us to manage those things that you've, you've given us. And may we in turn return, return some portion of that back to you. May you continue to bless us and guide us as we continue to manage your establishment here on earth. We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, and all that he's done for us. For we lift all this word in his name. Amen.
Aren't you glad that God loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus? My goodness. Let's stand together as we sing songs of the church today. One thing remains and then away in a manger. And then we're going to close our our music portion today with the children's song. Many of you, if not all of you, will recognize and we can sing out to our, our top of our lungs today. So let's sing out today.
question. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves us? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we have those songs that we can think back in our mind and we can remember? Jesus loves me, this I know. It's not simply because I just know it, but it's because the Bible tells me so. And you know, God gives us senses that we can feel his presence. We can sense his presence. We can see his spirit in Christians. Oh my gracious, oh my gracious. I want us to sing this chorus just once more and I'm gonna let y'all get us started and we're gonna, we're gonna sing it a cappella. Just the chorus, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So let's sing it out together. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Thank you. you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that you know that today. Joey said it's not just a song, not just because I might know it, because the Bible says so, but it's also because we have history to prove it. And Jesus didn't just say that he loves us, he actually demonstrated it. The Bible says in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing, amazing. If you've got your Bible, open up to John chapter 3. We're going to look at a verse that probably most of us, if not all of us, know. Some of you may have it memorized, and I, if you do, that's great. But it may be the most understood verse in the Bible, so I want us to look at it this morning as we think about the love of Christmas. While you're turning there in your Bible or looking on your app, pulling out your device, that's fine. As long as you're looking at Scripture, pull that app out or that iPad or whatever you want, John chapter 3. Uh, let me say thank you. I had a great time away with my my wife this week, so thank you, church family, for allowing us to do that. 24 years of marriage. I thought that was a big deal till I was talking to Miss Dottie this morning, and she said her anniversary is tomorrow, 64 years of marriage. So, amen, amen. Sounds like I need to come to your house after church today and get some advice. Actually, my wife might need to because she's the one who has to put up with me, but 64 years of marriage. Wow, happy anniversary. We... Uh, we had a great time, and it's good to be back. As a matter of fact, I'll just be honest with you, the only thing that got us to get in the car and come back was you guys, because the weather was great, the beach was great, and uh, we, had a, we had a wonderful time, and uh, outside of, some of you saw this Tuesday night, if you watched the family meeting online, outside of Jesus, uh, the best thing that happened to me is sitting right there. And so, thank God, she's put up with a lot. And so, she'll have many crowns in heaven, and I will be the ones probably to place them on her head. But 24 years of marriage, so thank you, thank you. Hey, I want to thank our musicians as well. You, you guys don't know this because unlike a lot of Baptist churches, which I love this about our church, we don't have a bulletin. We have a kind of a newsletter that you get on Sunday morning, but we don't have a printed, newslet, a printed bulletin. 
Uh, so you don't know sometimes that things might change like at 8 a.m. before you see them on the stage. But we have a lot of our folks that have been sick and Lawa's out this week and uh, Jeannie uh, is just being cautious because she's been exposed and thinking she might not should come because of COVID. And so I'm grateful that Vicki and um, Jessica and Lynn and others just jump right in. And most of us don't ever know, but just now, now you do. Sometimes what you see on Sunday mornings is just, it's changed from Saturday night. And that's all right. We, we as the old theological song goes, we roll with it, baby. We roll with it, baby. <laughs> so that's what we do. John chapter 3. I want us to, to start this morning a couple of verses uh, before the main verse uh, that we know, which is John 3.16. But before we read it, let me kind of set the stage here. Some of you will know this, that John is, uh, Jesus rather, is having a conversation in this chapter with Nicodemus. And he's been talking to Nicodemus about, uh, about a lot of things, mainly about what it means to be born again. And Nicodemus says to him, can I, can I go back inside my my mother and be born a second time. What does it mean to be born again? So Jesus is trying to explain to him what new life, what eternal life means. And we get down to these verses in the latter part or middle part of John chapter 3 where he's explaining this. Jesus even tries to say what's born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. Is that me rattling around? Or something? Okay. We'll switch if we need to. Like I said, we roll with it, baby. All right. But we get down to John chapter uh, 3, verse 9, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can these things be? And Jesus answers him and says, are you not a teacher of Israel? And Jesus begins to try to explain to him what eternal life is all about. And then we get to John chapter 3, verse 14, and here's what he says. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, So that everyone who believes will have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world through Him might be saved. The one who believes in Him is not judged. The one who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The love of Christmas. One of my favorite verses, and maybe for some of you, favorite verse in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's a great verse to memorize. I would encourage you, if you've memorized it, that's great. But what does this really mean when it comes to Christmas? What does that have to do with Christmas? It has a lot to do with Christmas. We think about the reason for the season, and the reason for the season is Jesus. We think about ultimately Jesus who came. He came, by the way, born to die. That was God's plan. And we think about that with Easter, and of course, uh, we think about the crucifixion and the resurrection. But there would be no crucifixion and resurrection if there was not for the birth of Jesus. So Christmas is an important time to focus on what real love is all about. Now, love has been defined in our culture by a lot of different things. 24 years of marriage, 64 years of marriage, I might know a little bit about love. But the way I really know about what real love is, is I have to go to the author of love. And the Bible says in 1 John that God is love. So for me to really know what love is about, I've got to really go to the author. And that is God himself. And so I want us to discover just three things quickly this morning about 
love and this love of Christmas. And I would say to you and I, if we are children of God, if we're believers, these three things should be also characteristic of us. So as you hear these talked about this morning, as we look at God's Word, if you don't identify with some of these, then please take a hard exam this morning and say, okay, why are these not evident in my life? If I'm connected to the author of love and I have received that love, then these should also be evidenced in my life as a follower of Christ. And the first one is this, love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. So one of the things about the love of Christmas, this baby born in a manger, it was a sacrificial love. The Bible tells us in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that the word actually used there is God so loved the cosmos. That's where we get the word cosmos from. That's a huge love, that God so loved the world that he would give his only son. Give, it's a sacrificial way of, give, of doing something, giving. I had a friend of mine ask me recently, he said, when, when do you think you're most like Jesus? And I said, is this a trick question? He said, is it when you're praying? Is it when you're singing? Is it when you're reading God's word? When are you maybe most like Jesus? And he suggested that it was when we give. Because for God so loved the world, he gave. Maybe, maybe not, I don't know, great idea. But Jesus' gift to us from God the Father was a sacrificial gift. It's a gift that he did not have to give, but he chose to give it. Also, he gave it knowing that there would be many people who would not receive this gift. Now, I don't know about you, but it's Christmas time, the season of giving. Have you ever gotten one of those gifts and you open it up? And the person there who's given it to you, as you open it up, you're trying very hard not to change your facial expression. Because if you're, as you've opened this gift, you're just thinking, wow, this is really not what I thought it was going to be. But thank you so much. And you're trying to keep this smile on your face to not offend them. But you're really thinking at the same time, this is really not the gift that I want. I don't need a 75th tie. I don't need a 100th pair of Sunday socks. I mean, whatever the gift is that you've been given. Maybe it's that fruitcake, the gift that keeps giving all year long, they say. <laughs> I don't know what that gift is. But can you imagine? We feel that way sometimes when we're given a gift that's not received because it maybe doesn't fit in our particular wardrobe or our particular style or particular thing that we like. But can you imagine being the creator of the world who sacrifices his one and only, that's what begotten means, one and only son to redeem mankind and for some people not to receive that gift? Can you imagine? It's a scary thought, but we know it to be true. We know it to be true past the ages. We know it to be true in our own age, and it'll be true in the future. God so loved the cosmos, the world, that he gave the very best gift that he could give. Now this is amazing. Because if you're Nicodemus, and Jesus is having this conversation, John is kind of letting us eavesdrop, eavesdrop on this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. If you're Nicodemus and you're hearing Jesus say, For God so loved the world, Nicodemus, that he gave his only son. And this is Jesus speaking of himself, what's going to happen to himself. And you're Nicodemus and you're hearing this, it's, it's kind of really hard to wrap your head around. Not only because this hasn't happened yet, but because Jesus is saying, God 
so loved the world. In Nicodemus's day, he knew that God loves Israel. He knew that God loved the chosen people, but he had no idea. He was going to find it very difficult to hear the words, God so loved the world. Everybody, we talked about it last week. Salvation is for everyone. Everybody. It's an amazing thing to think about. This love that was sacrificial came because it was a love that was honest. It, it wanted to tell us the truth about our human condition. God, in His sovereignty, because He knew our human condition, sent His only Son to die on a cross, to be born first, right? To die on a cross, to be resurrected. God did that because He wanted to be honest with us about our human condition. That's real love. That's sacrificial love. Can I tell you, we live in a day and age, I don't need to tell you because you already know, where people say, if you tell them the truth, you don't love them. You're actually being offensive. Men and women, I just want to challenge you. If you're a Christ follower, I'm not trying to be a doomsday guy because I'm the eternal optimist, but prepare yourself. Because if you're going to stand on the claims of Jesus in love, being honest with people, not beating them over the, bi- over the head with the Bible and being rude just to be rude, but if you're going to speak the truth in love, it is not going to be accepted by everyone. And it's going to require you to be honest, and that is part of love that is sacrificial. I, I was thinking about this morning raising my kids, and Lynette and I have tried to do great, and the, pa- parenting is a big role, coaching, being a, a kind of adoptive parent. I know some of you don't have kids, but there are people that look to you as being their parents. Maybe you're an aunt or an uncle. That's a huge responsibility. And even as much as we try to get it right as parents, sometimes our kids choose different paths because guess what? They have free will. God made us with free will to make our own decision. He didn't want a bunch of robots just saying, yes, Jesus, whatever you say. He wanted us to choose out of love to demonstrate the same love that he has for us. But I remember I was thinking about my own kids and there would be times where we would take them different places, whether it was to the mall or shopping or the theme park or whatever, and we would see other parents with their kids, and their kids would just be running free. It'd be like, we're at the mall, take the leash off, let them run free. And they would be going into stores and turning things over and running around, and I was just thinking, wow, 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 that, that's crazy. That kind of hands-off policy or hands-off kind of procedure, I just want to share with you, and you would say this too, most of you, hopefully, that is not a great demonstrator of love. In the same way, God doesn't just say hands-off to us. The thing that makes His love coming down as a baby in the manger sacrificial is the easy way out for God would have been to say, well, they, they're living in sin, they fall on it would be far less costly for me to sacrifice my son, so I'll just ignore the sins of the world, allow the world to live in darkness and never be redeemed. That would have been the easy way out. But not God. Not God. God chose to act in real love, sacrificial love. You see, the truth of the matter is, if we don't love in truth, and we shrink back and we don't speak the truth in love, there's a word for that. And we don't talk about it much in the church anymore, but here's the word. Are you ready? It's called apathy. It's called apathy. 
When we say, oh, we care about them, but I don't want to say anything about that because they'll appear to be judgmental. I understand we live in a culture where people like to say, well, you can't judge me. You need to reread the Bible because you have all the ability through God's Word to judge how people live. We judge every day. We make decisions. This is right. This is wrong. We make personal judgments. We make personal judgments about other people. There's a way to do that again in love. There's a way also to do that in condemnation. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But love is honest. Love tells the truth even when people don't want to hear it. As a matter of fact, on further down in this same chapter, chapter 3, verse 19, here's what Jesus tells Nicodemus. This is the judgment. The light came into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. And yet Jesus, God the Father, still sent Jesus the Son because he had a love that was sacrificial. You know, during this gift-giving season, there's going to be a lot of gift-giving, and I love that about Christmas. I want to challenge your family and my family to do something. Find some way this Christmas season to demonstrate the love of Christ that sacrifices you something. I don't know what that is. I'll let the Holy Spirit fill in the blank for you. Most of us are so consumed, and again, nothing wrong necessarily with this. I love it. It's a great part of the holiday season. But we're, we can become so consumed with gift-giving for everyone else, we forget what the reason for the season is. It's not my birthday. We talked about last week. I know December 25th is not necessarily the actual day that Jesus was born, but it's the day that we celebrate His birthday. He's the one who should, we should be bringing gifts to. There's a lot of gift-giving going on, and sometimes he's the last one to get the gift. So what could you and I do this holiday season to demonstrate a love that is sacrificial? But you know what? It's not just a love that's sacrificial. It's a love that saves. Number two, it's a love that saves. Jesus came so we would not perish. God sent his son Jesus to earth, yes, as a baby in the manger, to grow and to become a man, to pay the penalty for our sin, so we would have everlasting life. As I was reading this this week, I was reminded of this. And we don't stress it enough, perhaps. The Christmas story was a rescue mission. The baby that we saw on video kind of representing Jesus, it was in a manger. God sent that baby on a rescue mission because we needed to be rescued. And it's an amazing thing to think about. This Christmas mission was a rescue mission. So when we read John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only, one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's speaking about a mission. And I've been praying this week about our church and what God's doing in our church. And my prayer has been this, just so you kind of know what I've been praying. That God would teach us very uh, intentionally about what this mission is. Because real church growth comes with a culture of mission. Not a culture of worship, as great as worship is. Real church growth comes with a, a culture of mission. Because if we start with a culture of mission, realizing that we have been a part of that rescue mission, and because we've been rescued, God wants us to share the story with other people and see them rescued. If we start with the story of mission, guess what? We will worship God. Because we'll understand His sacrificial love that He gave for us. But if we start with creating this culture of worship, we might just get worshipers. Is that what the church of 2020 has been? 
not just crossroads, but around the world. Nothing wrong with worshiping. I love it. I was so looking forward to getting back to be with all of us here on this morning service. But folks, if all we do is come to worship the baby and we never leave this room and go do what he said, we have missed the mission. Because he didn't come just for us to worship. Yes, he will be worshipped forevermore, but that's not the only reason he came. He came because he was on a rescue mission. The world was going to hell without saving, being saved by Jesus. And that's the mission that he's given to us. It's mission possible, not impossible. Cue the music. No, I'm just kidding. It's mission possible because we have the creator of the world helping us. Why is that important? It's important, so important as a matter of fact, that I just discovered this a year or so ago. It's so important that here Nicodemus is having this conversation with Jesus. Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus how to be born again. And what does Jesus do? Jesus goes back to the Old Testament to give him an illustration about what it's about. Have you, have you read it? It's in the book of Numbers. You can turn there if you want. It's Numbers chapter 21. Because Jesus refers to it by saying this in chapter 3 of John verse 14. Here's what he says. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We get that verse all messed up sometimes and we don't think about what it means. It's foreshadowing, yes, Jesus being lifted up on a cross. It's foreshadowing our worship, perhaps, of lifting Jesus up in praise. But it's talking about the crucifixion of Jesus on a cross, much like Moses lifted up a staff in the Old Testament. If you don't know the story, let me just quickly tell you what it says in Numbers chapter 21. Because he's sharing this story with Nicodemus because every Jewish child would be told this story. So Jesus, the master communicator, I love this, goes, Okay, Nicodemus, you're having trouble understanding what salvation is. You're having trouble understanding how you can be born again. Let me step into your world as a Jew. It's much like when Moses was wandering around in the, in the wilderness and he raised up a staff, the serpent on the staff, which is where we get our medical symbol from, by the way. It's interesting how we have a medical symbol from the scripture. Every Jewish child knew this story. So in Numbers, what we do is we find ourselves with the Israelites. They've sinned against God because they're grumbling. God has gotten them out and, and led them away from Pharaoh. They're out in Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And they're grumbling because God has not done everything that they wanted God to do. And so God punishes them with a plague. We maybe feel like we're in one of those now. We have no idea. It was nothing like what we read in the Scriptures. It was a plague of fiery serpents killing many of the Israelites. So, God tells Moses, let me just read it for you. Don't take my word for it, because my word's no good. God gives Moses some specific instructions, and here's what he says to him in chapter 21. The people spoke against God and Moses, and they said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, there's no water, this miserable food. Yeah, yeah. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and says, We have sinned, we've spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede, plead, plead with the Lord that he may remove these serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a standard, a rod, and it shall come about when everyone who is beaten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on the standard, this rod, and it came about if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he would live. 
Amazing. Amazing. There's some comparisons that Jesus is trying to make for Nicodemus to say, okay, Nicodemus, just as this happened with Moses in the desert, so it will be with the Son of Man. Here's some of the comparisons he's making. Let me outline them quickly for you. The first one is this. People were in danger because of sin. Guess what? It's 2020. Guess what? People are in danger because of sin. Story hasn't changed. God provided an agent of salvation in the book book of Numbers. This bronze serpent was the agent of salvation. Now here we are, fast forward. Jesus came. He grew up. He died on a cross. He gave his life for you and me because of sin. He paid the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's because of Jesus who paid that penalty that God provided another, another agent for sin, for salvation. Just like in the story of Moses, the agent of salvation was lifted up, this rod was lifted up, and if the people would look at it, they would not die. Much like if you and I look to Jesus, we will not die spiritually, we won't die physically either, we'll live forever and ever and ever. Glorified bodies forever and ever. That's the story of salvation. That's the love of Christmas. It's a love that saves. It's not just this this head knowledge belief. It's a complete trust on what God is and who God is and who Jesus is. I can say all day that this chair will hold me up. And I can look at this chair and say, this is a great chair. This chair will hold me up. I know it's true. I know it's true. But I'll never trust in this chair until I walk over and sit down and go, ah, and I totally rest in this chair. Men and women, I have been challenged in the last week to put my full weight, my full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can save. And it is His sacrifice, His love that saves us. And sometimes we think about eternal life and we're thinking, oh, that's going to come after I'm dead. No! No, eternal life happens the moment you say yes to Jesus. That's when eternal life starts. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to equip you to live on this earth in a crazy, chaotic world, to live the way God wants you to live. Somebody said this, Please don't bring eternal life down to the narrow and inadequate conception of unending existence. It is that, but it is so much more. It means a life of such a sort as is worth calling life. It's a life in union with God. It's full of blessedness and purity and satisfaction and full of desire and aspiration all of these with the stamp of unendingness deeply impressed upon them here's a question do you have that eternal life or do you have church life because there's a big difference i love you guys so much if you had any if you could fathom the love that god's given me for you And my concern is, because I don't know all of you well yet, but my concern is, as a guy who grew up in a fantastic church, as a guy who walked an aisle when he was nine, got dunked, got shaken hands by 2,000 people, had his cheeks pinched and said, good for you, Sonny, as a guy who went through all that and still did not know Jesus. You know what I knew? Church membership. They're not the same thing. My prayer for you is that you would know the love that saves. The love that saves that will change your life, radically change your life. It's a love that is incredible. As a matter of fact, Jesus says right here in these verses, He says, For God so loved the world, yes, that you'll get eternal life. But then He goes on to say this. 
For God did not send the Son into the world to judge, or most translations say and should say to condemn the world, but the world should be saved through Him, literally through His name. You know what Jesus means from the Hebrew translation? It means Yahweh saves. Literally, Jesus' name means God saves. That is fantastic. I'm more excited than you. Don't give me another week off or I'll really be come back fired up, I'm telling you. Can you imagine? All right, go back. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's bring it home a little bit. Let's go back to the Old Testament. You're in the Old Testament. You're traveling around with Moses. Anybody ever been bitten by a snake? All right, Ashley, you can vouch for us then maybe. I never have been. I grew up with copperheads and all kinds of snakes living in the big metropolis of Roebuck, South Carolina. Amen, Heath. Whoop, whoop. There were snakes everywhere. We had five acres and I was growing up and that's what my mom used to pray. When I would go out in the woods and get on the motorcycle and do stuff, she'd just tell me, my only prayer was you just wouldn't get bit by a snake. I don't know why. She thought they were everywhere. But can you imagine being in the Old Testament days with Moses and these serpents are around. They've been sent by God to kill people who, didn't, who weren't going to believe, who were grumbling and complaining and weren't going to believe. And Moses comes out with this rod. I don't have anything to, be a, a, to demonstrate being a rod. Hang on. We'll pretend this is the rod. And he comes out with this rod and he's holding it up and going, If you got bit, look! Look! You got bit, look! You got bit, look! Camera guys are mad at me now, I'm sorry. If you got bit, and you're on the ground and you got bit by a snake and you think you're about to die, and Moses said, if you'll just look at this serpent right here and look at it, you'll live. How are you going to look at the serpent? Oh, where is that serpent at? What's your attitude going to be? No, you're going to be running around going, where is it? I see it. Oh, hallelujah, I'm saved. Hallelujah, I'm saved. Maybe we need to go back to Old Testament and have a bunch of serpents around. We'd be a little more enthusiastic about the fact that Jesus saves. It's a love that saves us as a love that's sacrificial. But here's the question, by the way, do you have this eternal life that saves? I hope you do. Have you shared it? I hope you have. Because it's a love that needs to be shared. It's not only sacrificial, it's not only saved, but it's a love that needs to be shared. Why? Because it is the cure. If I came in this morning and I said to you, hey, I found this, I don't have a cup either, if I, I found this beverage, and if everybody before you leave the church today will drink this beverage, which mine would be sweet tea, that would be my choice, right? If you'll drink this beverage, when you leave today, guess what? You will never, ever, 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 never, ever have COVID. And anybody that you touch after you have swallowed this sweet tea will never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever have COVID. I imagine most of us, if we knew it was true, would line up at the door and say, give me that sweet tea. Folks, we have a much better cure than the cure to COVID. We have a cure to the sin of mankind. If we are a child of God, if we have received that sacrificial love that saves, we have the cure. And here's what Jesus goes on to say. I love this. He didn't just say God came to save the world, but he says this in verse 17. God did not send the Son into the world to judge or condemn, it should say, the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not judged. 
He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The name, as I told you, Yahweh saves. God saves. The name of Jesus in the Hebrew. Jesus. Jesus saves. We have to share it. Last week, when, when I said that I wanted our church to do anything to reach people. That is true. You guys know me. I told you this the day this church called me. I was going to be 100% honest with you and just straight up all, until you say goodbye. <laughs> and so I want to be honest with you. I need to apologize. Because in my passion last week, I may have got so passionate, I may have said some things that I really didn't mean. I don't want anybody leaving this church. I know in my limited experience as a pastor, but in my 30 years of experience doing ministry, I know that sometimes God's multiplication is subtraction. I, I know that. I've been a part of that subtraction equation before where God has had to take me out of a situation for it to grow because of my stubbornness and my rebellion and my hard-heartedness. So I, I didn't say those comments last week as if to say, if you're not on board with what God's doing, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord, yeah, as my mama used to say to me. That's, that was not the intent of my heart, okay? The intent of my heart is there are people within a rock's throw of this room who if Jesus comes back tomorrow, they will miss it. Because they've not received the gift of God. They have not received the sacrificial, saving love of Jesus. That's my heart. And at the end of the day, as much as I want to do anything for people to experience and to hear the gospel and to come to know Jesus, I also want to make sure that I say this this week, that there are many churches who start to rely on other things to save people. You say, Jack, what are you talking about? There are churches who start to rely on great music, great children's programs, great this, great that. And it's a subtle slip that Satan throws in for us to get to be dependent to think, oh, people are coming because we have great music and people are coming because of this and people are coming because of that. Don't get me wrong. I want us to have great music. I want to study and get up here and act like I know what I'm talking about. I don't want to stumble through the sermon. I want what we do to be done with excellence. Don't miss the point. But here is the point. My dear friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ alone is sufficient to save. It does not need my help. It does not need my accompaniment. It does not need a great song. It does not need the worship song of 2020 to move my heart to engage with Jesus. The gospel alone is sufficient. If it's not, we might as well pack our bags and go home because we're done. The gospel alone is sufficient. The gospel alone is what may save people. You might say, well, Jack, of course, we know the gospel alone is what saves people. If we're not relying on anything else to, to do that for people to come to Christ... I mean, if we could draw a crowd just by preaching the gospel, well, we would, but people might not come because of that. Well, we, we just need to be relevant. We need to be relevant. 
And there's this message in Christendom you may or may not know because you usually aren't visiting other churches or talking to other pastors. But there's this message going through the church culture that that's what we need to do is focus on being relevant. Here's the, here's the deal. That would be true if real church growth started with a culture of worship. But real church growth starts with a culture of mission and realizing that the whole thing about Christmas is Jesus sent, God sent Jesus on a rescue mission to redeem mankind. That's the mission. That's the mission. If you're a child of God, that's what you signed up for. If you're going, I didn't know I signed up for that, let's talk after the service because that's what you got enlisted to do. Not just me as the paid preacher, but you. Anybody who says yes and they're a child of God, that's so important. Paul says it this way. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. What does that tell me? It tells me a couple of things. We're not looking at that scripture this morning, but real quick, just to make a point, it tells me a couple of things. Here's the first one. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. In other words, hmm, maybe you would have reason to be ashamed of the gospel. Because he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why is he not ashamed? Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the power of God to salvation. The baby who came to be born in a manger is the power of God to salvation. It's God's power, and God's power is unlimited. Not just to create a baby and a virgin Mary, but to see that little baby grow up to become a man down across and become resurrected. You guys awake this morning or is it just me? I know I had too much sweet tea this morning. I'm sorry. Only one glass from now on before church on Sunday. The gospel brings salvation. Now, why is that important? Let me close. Here's why it's important. It's important because as relevant as we want to be as a church. And again, there's things that we want to do with excellence. There's things we want to do with excellence. But as relevant as we want to be as a church... We're not going to be able to do it. There's no amount of money. There's no way that we could raise enough money to be competitive for what the world has to offer that looks relevant. Why would we, why would we waste and spend our funds, our God-given resources, to try to, to try to match or equate what the world can produce? It will never happen. We'll never be relevant enough. Guess what? That means we're off the hook to try to do it. No, we still want to be doing things with excellence. But it takes the pressure off for us to feel like a Sunday morning has to be, do you do this when you leave? As a preacher, I do this. God, forgive me. Some weeks I do this. Do you do this when you leave? If you do, you repent. God, forgive you. Let's start rating it in our mind. How was the music? How was the preaching? How was the crowd? How was the atmosphere? Did I sense God's spirit? Do you, do you do that or is it just me? I do that sometimes. And God has to say, who are you there for? We cannot compete when it comes to being relevant. And here's the reality is, the good news is we don't have to. If we're thinking we need to be relevant so we can get the crowd in here, can I just tell you real quick, the crowd's already in here. And you know how the crowd's in here? The crowd's in here because the people at your workplace ain't never going to come here, Jack Eason. And the people in your neighborhood ain't going to never come here, Jack Eason, or come hear the music because they don't know me. They know you. What's that tell me? God has strategically put all of us where we are to be Jesus during the week. 
I'm calling us this morning to lift our vision higher. Our vision is not just to grow out this room to capacity. That's a weak vision. That's a small vision. I can accomplish that next week. I'll give away. Heath could do it with the youth ministry. He could have 100 teenagers show up next week. You know how? Rip a gutter off the roof, fill that thing with ice cream, and call it the world's biggest banana split party, and you'll have them come from nowhere. I did that as a youth pastor. And they'd show up about two or three weeks in a row, hundreds of them. And then as the commitment level increased, the attendance decreased. I'll be honest, as a pastor, one of the guys preaches, Heath would be honest with you, I love getting up here speaking to 100, 150, 200 people versus 10 or 5 or 3 people. I mean, okay, I'll be honest. But that's not what it's about. God has strategically placed each one of us somewhere where God's love needs to be shared. Here's the question, are you going to share it? I'm asking us, when we see our church... Let's stop seeing our church as this crowd that gathers in one place, one day of the week. And our church is this crowd that is out many places, many days of the week, with the Spirit of God that came in a baby born in Bethlehem on Christmas. That's who we are as the church. So we don't have anything to offer the world in a way of of being relevant. The world can always choose a better alternative, but here's the deal. The one thing that we do have that we can offer... Is the one thing that is relevant to every single person, of every single race, of every single age, on every single country, on this planet earth. And that is without being saved by Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity separated away from God. The one thing that we have is relevant is the eternal gospel of Christ. So two questions this morning. Here's the first one. Are you ready to share it? Are you ready to share it? Here's a second one. Have you received it? Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Will you pray with me? This morning, if you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, the baby born in a manger who grew up to become a man, to die on a cross and save us from our sin, the penalty of sin, We're being saved, as a pastor friend of mine says, we're being saved now from the power of sin every day by submitting to the Holy Spirit. And one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. Today, if you find yourself here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I am really not sure. Can I just tell you the best Christmas gift that you could give to God would be accepting his free gift that he's giving you the the exchange that gift exchange is releasing your heart and control of your life and the gift that you get is the power of the Holy Spirit walking in your life every day eternal life that starts right now in this moment and so friend if you're here this morning I would just say if you've never said yes to Jesus I want to invite you to do that today it's not about joining a church, being a part of a group. Yes, that's, that happens because you become a part of the family of God. But it's about surrendering everything that you have and everything that you know to the one who knows everything and has everything, and that is Jesus. So right there in your seat, if your heart's beating fast and kind of quivering, Could it be that the Holy Spirit of God is knocking on the door of your heart today? 
And if he is, I would just ask you to pray this simple prayer. No magic prayer. There's no magic words. It's the sincerity of your heart. You can pray it however you want that you just say, Jesus, I need you. I need that sacrificial love. I need to be saved. I need to be saved from a crazy world. I need to be saved from myself. I need to have the knowledge that when I die, yes, I'll spend eternity in heaven. But just as important, I'll have you in my life right now. So if that's you, I want to give you just a few seconds right there where you are just to pray that prayer in your heart. And I'm hoping and praying that some of you this morning, maybe for the first time, would say yes to Jesus. While you're praying for the rest of us who would say, yes, we know Christ. Oh, dear Crossroads friend, can I ask you this question? Are you sharing it? We have the cure. Please, please, please don't wait on a preacher. Don't wait on this church staff. As much as I love our church staff, don't wait on us to share Jesus with the people that God has entrusted to you. The penalty of sin is worse than that snake bite that the Israelites endured. So today, maybe as you rediscover the love of Christmas, the fact that God sent His baby on a mission, maybe this morning, the decision in your heart would be, Lord, I I recommit myself to Your mission to bring hope to people who desperately need You, Jesus. I don't know how God's speaking to your heart this morning. I'm going to give you just a few seconds to silently pray and then we're going to stand and we're going to have a song of invitation and you respond as God lays on your heart. If you need somebody to talk with you, I'll be down here at the front. I'm going to ask Heath to come join me. If you just want to come pray, there's a row of chairs here where you can just turn and kneel. That would be fine. Whatever God leads you to do. I'm going to be quiet for just a few seconds and ask you just to do business with the Lord. to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. Lord, I pray in just a moment as we stand and we sing this song of invitation. Please, Holy Spirit, allow it to be more than words, but truth from our heart. That everything that we have, all that we are, ever hope to be, we owe it to You. That we would surrender it all afresh and anew to You today, maybe for the first time for some of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would to please stand. We're going to have that song of invitation. However God's moved on your heart, if you need somebody to pray with you or encourage you, love on you, or you just want to come pray yourself, Heath and I will be at the front as the Lord leads you this morning. Let's sing.
musicians are going to continue to play and as they do if you need to do business with the Lord uh, I would encourage you to do it as my grandfather used to say not being fully obedient is disobedient boy he'd always add that boy at the end I don't know if that was just to kind of just to so I do want you to be obedient to the Lord if you have that's great if you need to sit down for a second you can but we're going to have just one more stanza and if God lays it on your heart to respond then uh, please do that. Just one more stanza if we can. If you would have a seat for just one second, I promise you'll beat the Methodists to the buffet. Well, they don't have buffet right now, do they? Some places. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. One, just a reminder, our deaf ministry wanted me to remind you of this. Uh, I think it's up to 125 bucks. 
kind of an online bid. If you missed it this week and you want that for Christmas or to give that away for Christmas, uh, see me and let me know. The proceeds are going to go to send them to, go to the ark, uh, Noah's ark there in Kentucky on that trip, uh, probably next summer. So if you're interested in that. Five o'clock, don't forget tonight, caroling, you don't have to sing. You don't have to sing. You can just smile. But if you can go and, and uh, do some caroling and visiting, please be here at 5. Our Dominican team also will be meeting. And children's workers, if you want to help out and be a children's worker, folks, we need some more children's workers. You don't have to do a lot. If you've been a, if you've been a, a child before, you're qualified. All right? So, uh, and Kayla can give you more of the details on how you can be a part of that. One other quick thing, uh, and we've mentioned needing help with the tech and media and I know some of you hear tech and media and that scares you. We need a prayer partner person. Because while we are doing our worship here, folks that are watching online, we're, we're a week delayed just because we want to make sure we get technology right. Uh, they're watching last week's service. And we have visitors watching. And some weeks we'll have 100 people at the end of the week that have watched. And, and uh, they're watching and sometimes they're chatting. We need somebody who has maybe a gift of hospitality, who could be chatting and engaging with those people who are not just crossroads people. They're people from all over. Um, so if you're interested in doing that, kind of an online virtual ministry, you could do it from here. While we're in here, you could just slip into the side room and we'll have a laptop where you can do that. So um, if you're interested, see me. All right, Sunday school teachers, we're going to meet real quickly for just about eight minutes. We'll start the clock. Eight minutes over here in the green room just to share some stuff about the coming year. Anything I'm forgetting? Let's eat. I heard that. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. And uh, that love, when it wells up within us, it pours out on other people. I thank you for that. There's some dear people in this room that I love very, very much. All these folks. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that the gospel alone is sufficient to save us. Thank you that you are willing to be sacrificial in your love for us. And you've given us the mission to share it with a world that is in desperate need of truth and hope and love and joy. So I pray this week, next week during this holiday season for each one of us, including the preacher guy. God, would you give us one person, one person that we can share the real meaning of Christmas with this holiday. And I pray that many would come to know you because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great afternoon. All right.